1: welcome to buckets brought to you by fanduel sportsbook my name is matt moore i'm the senior nba writer for the action network and this is your western conference finals denver nuggets versus los angeles lakers game two best bets episode nuggets get the win in game one covered some numbers but not the closing line pushed on the closing line that was a frustrating result for a lot of folks the over was an easy bet we actually swept the board here on buckets yay us but we're on to game two to break it down we've got j money you can find him on twitter at j money is money and brandon anderson nba futures analyst you can find him on twitter at wheaton brando and in the action network app which is the best place for you to track your picks you get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in all of our pro indicators if you have a pro account and if you're looking for for an opportunity to get that one you can subscribe but two leave us a five-star review if you leave us a five-star review on apple podcast and you tell us why you love the show and who your favorite analyst is, whether it's Jay or Sean or Brandon or Joe or Jim or Jollies or Jimothy's or whatever you might be selected, might be selected to either get merch or a one-year pro subscription for the Action Network app. I promise you will love it. So go ahead and hit us up with those five-star reviews on Apple podcast. Fellas lines for this game after the Nuggets get the win in game one, the spread on this has moved back down after the Nuggets close minus six. It's, minus five as we record this, uh, in some places here on Wednesday morning, Wednesday morning. I'm trying to keep track of what day it is Wednesday morning, uh, about midday Eastern, uh, down there's a five and a half in the market. There's a five. So the money's definitely coming in on the Lakers. No big surprise there with their second half comeback behind the brilliant tactical thing of doing the exact same thing that a lot of teams did, which is put a small on Nikola Jokic and bring weak side help. And they've solved Nikola Jokic it's over it's not over this is gonna be a long series uh total interestingly so play the over in this one did not understand why the total was so low at 220 uh this was up to 226 and a half so 222 and a half i believe was a closing line for game one up four points now not surprising given that both teams shot the absolute shit out of the ball in game one uh we'll go around the table we'll give our best bets and then we'll do the cap uh Jay let's start with you we're gonna go Jay and then me and then Brandon and then Brandon's gonna do the cap and we'll go through Jay what's your best bet for Nuggets Lakers
2: game two personally took Lakers plus five and a half I still like the plus five as well okay
1: I'm gonna be on the under 226 and a half in this one I'm getting I'm, I'm getting too cute I'm just gonna go ahead and let everybody know I'm getting too cute with this but <laughs> I'm going under and I'll tell explain why in the cap I'm also on Lakers plus five and a half I will sprinkle money line but it's going to be like a dusting. It's not like a dash. I'm not doing two (laughs) shakes of the salt. I'm doing like when you put the salt in the hand and you do like a little tiny sprinkle. That's how small it'd be on them on the money line for this one. I'm going to be on Austin Reeves under points and assists. And I'm gonna be on Aaron Gordon under points and assists in this one as well. So definitely correlating plays. No way this goes badly for me. Brandon, what's your (laughs) best bet for game two?
3: Yeah, I'm only on props on this one. I'm a little baffled, actually, on sides and totals. We'll get to that, but I got three props. Give me Anthony Davis over three and a half steals plus blocks, stocks, if you will. That's a minus 120. Give me Michael Porter Jr. over six and a half rebounds at minus 112. And I'll talk about double-double as an escalator angle there. And then I'm not positive on this one yet, so stay tuned. Matt, you might talk me out of it, especially since it's literally against your play. Aaron Gordon, over two and a half assists. It's plus 118. And then I've got a few escalators at four assists, five assists. So I want to debate that one a little bit when we get there. But do you want me to get into the first few props here?
1: Yeah, go ahead and hit, hit his with the props.
3: Yeah, so like Anthony Davis, obviously, shocker of shockers, did not handle Jokic one-on-one because nobody handles Jokic one-on-one. That's not exactly an insult. But Davis still made a massive, massive impact defensively. And even when he was handling Jokic one-on-one, still blocked him like three times, I think, right? So he had, uh, I believe, three blocks, two steals in the game, or three steals, two blocks, I forget. I I prefer to play the the stocks combo together because you never really know these days what's, like, oh, he was going up, it's a block. Oh, no, it's a steal. So play them together, props get a little weird. He had five stocks. He had five once against Denver in season two in the other game. For the playoffs anthony davis is at 1.5 steals 3.2 blocks a game that's 4.7 stocks this number should be probably higher we're at three and a half we're getting 4.7 davis has gone over that number 10 out of 13 playoff games now so 77 hit rate and look we saw obviously i'm sure we're going to talk about it the big adjust adjustment came late as you said matt hachimura on him davis off of him on aaron gordon getting to play the the free safety role, if you will, getting to come and freelance and just create create pain. We'll call it that. He's He's a pain creator. So I like the overstocks there. Michael Porter Jr. has been, for his career, an elite rebounder. His rebounding totals have not always gone that well. Shout out to my guy Andy Glockner on Twitter. He and I had what we called the best bet in sports for a while, where uh, Porter's rebounding, they were using him basically as a as Clay Thompson for a one stretch for a while, and his rebounding under was hitting over and over and over again. I loved what I saw for Michael Porter Jr. last night. He got the memo that, hey, guess what? If they start Schroeder, and they did, you're big, dude. You are a tall dude, and you got to play like a large man tonight. And Michael Porter Jr. played like a large man. He was rebounding well, he was using his size. Matt, you were on this before. You said if they put Austin Reeves on him, is going to shoot right over top of him. And that's exactly what he did. He hit the threes. He played big. And I think that he's going to keep needing to do that. So I like the over six and a half rebounds here. Now, he had 10 in game one. So that was great. 10 on only 12 chances. So normally that would give you a little bit of caution. But Porter is at 75% rebound rate for the playoffs. That's second in the NBA. It's behind only Bobby Portis. And that's not unusual. That's him. He has been an elite rebounder, high school, college, every level. It's a skill that he just has. So I like the rebounding there. I think he's going to keep attacking. They're going to need a size. If the Lakers play bigger, they're going to need him attacking to, counter, or to go against the size. Uh, I also will look at double-double here. I see a plus 575. Porter Jr. only had three double-doubles in the regular season. He is four already in the playoffs. So that's again showing the rebounding going up there to get escalator. We're gonna get the 10 points if he's that involved in playing well. So I like that one as well. Uh before I get to Aaron Gordon, any any comments on the Davis or Michael Porter Jr. at all?
1: Yeah, so let's circle back on, on David on AG after we talk about the the, the sides and totals. Yeah. Um so I think Davis is pretty obvious, and this is like it's a good play, right? Like I wish we had numbers on weak side. We don't have those numbers. Like, not even second spectrum has those numbers of like how many blocks do you get weak side? But like, that's where Davis is so impactful. It's just coming on across the, to the other side. Um, If Jokic has Rui in the post and he spins on him, AD is going to be there and he's going to block the shot. If AG tries to cut into the dunker spot, trying to lo- like catch Davis unaware, Davis can recover. This is one of the big things about Davis is that like he can get beat and still block the shot because he's a pterodactyl like the wingspan is just absolutely insane. So he's able to make all these plays. So that combined with just like deflections and pick and roll situations and those kind of things, Davis is an elite enough playmaker defensively. I always talk about there's positioning defense and there's playmaking defense. Davis is both and he can make enough plays. I think this, that's a great play. Uh, the Porter rebounds 34 minutes for, for Porter, the least of any starter. That's how it always, always, always no. going to be with, with Porter. He's just, if 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 Malone's gonna pull one of those guys off it's gonna be Porter now this is like a big thing about Michael Malone is what he should do in the series is he should play more Porter and less Aaron Gordon that's really tough that's hard on the team it's hard on the locker room it's hard on the identity like that's a difficult thing to do but it's what honestly needs to happen here MPJ needs to play a lot more four if they went to a four lineup it's gonna force the Lakers go back to small and that's gonna be really really difficult for them um I don't know if 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 Malone will do that. And I will say that if MPJ, like MPJ got beat on like one possession and he gets like a a barking at from Malone, who's like really tense. He was really tense in game one. His leash is just going to be shorter. The other guys get to screw up and make mistakes. Porter doesn't now. He might get 10 rebounds anyway. The other thing I would probably caution there is the pace. I think pace slows down a lot in game two. It's one of the reasons I'm on the under. Um, So I'm a little bit concerned about just like there being fewer shots, but on the other hand, Porter had 10 rebounds (laughs) and the Lakers shot like what? 55% from the field. So like
3: neither team missed a shot. So we're going to get a few more rebounds in this game. (laughs) Yeah. So there's probably
1: gonna be more opportunities. So um, I don't think it's a bad play. I think Porter's going to, I think Porter can have a big series. I think it's worth the number, especially at plus 550 of the double double. I love that bet. I'll probably tell you on that.
3: Um, yeah, the, the pace is what got me a little bit confused. So I want to throw to you on the, the total because I kind of wanted to go. I don't even think you can do this. I've never done this bet before. I don't know if they will let me do a same game. I kind of wanted to go a first half over second half under parlay. So I, I saw that like, look, first half was wild. Like we're running up and down the court, up and down the court. It's like, Oh, Anthony Davis, you got a layup. That's great. Well, we have three guys streaking to the other end already. We're scoring down there. Oh, that's great. Well, Davis is cherry picking on the other end. We're scoring again, like back and forth, back and forth, like watching a hockey match for a while. And then the second half, it felt like we got tired. We got real tired. The elevation kicked in. I sort of felt like, and I'm curious what you think, Matt, it felt like Denver was trying to run LA into the ground. And I kind of thought they maybe ran themselves into the ground a little bit. I thought Denver looked tired late. Now we're game two, not extra days off, in elevation. So I wondered if we might get the attacking early on and then the second half under where it's just like, oh, we are done here. So what do you think on the pace thing and why do you like the under here?
1: So this is like, a the the numbers are fascinating on this. Like the first half was 102, which is extremely fast. Anything above 100 is really fast, especially for Denver. Second half was 93, it was a 9 pace drop 9 possession drop first half to second half uh for both teams that's a wild swing and i think we're going to see a lot more of that in game 2 which is one of the reasons i like the under and it leads into the lakers pick as well you're right my read on the game in part and one of the reasons i think that the result is a little bit skewed in terms of people being like oh the lakers figured them out the nuggets had so much adrenaline in that first half and killed them and then they go up 18 and they're rolling and there's like a <sighs> a little bit of a letdown and a half and you could tell that like, they just kind of run out of it. That team's also sick. This is, I w- got to credit the nuggets here. Denver's not healthy. And I mean that like, not from a banged up standpoint, they're sick. Jamal's got an ear infection and he's pl- in a loud arena. He drops 30. The rest of that team is also dealing with like MPJ said, yeah, I know a lot of our guys are still sick. Like they've they're It's just going through the team. They're going to get healthier as the series goes on. Um, so I think, but I think in the initial, I do think there'll be a letdown from the game one. Both teams, I think, will be a little bit more tired in game two. No, like, Lakers had days of rest. Um, The altitude adjustment isn't going to be significant enough. Like, it's still, you. you don't, as somebody that lives here, you don't just, like, get adjusted in a day. Like, <laughs> it stays with you for a few days when you play, especially with the level that these guys are playing at. So... I think both teams will be tired in game two, which is one of the reasons I like the under. I'll talk a little bit more about the tactical stuff in a second. I want to go to Jay. Jay, let's use this to kind of talk about your pick. What kind of game do you see this being like as we talk about the pace and all these types of things? And why do you like the
2: Lakers plus five and a half? I do be I do see it being a little bit of a, a slower paced game. I mean, game one absolutely flew over the total. I mean, you said it. Uh, I think both teams are getting a lot of easy baskets um, inside, which I still think the Lakers can get those baskets inside. But I think it's going to be a little bit harder for the Nuggets, right? We, I mean, I think they might have to go to starting Hachimura. I mean, you need him on the you need him on the floor ASAP. You don't want to get Jokic into a rhythm first and then put him on there. So. Credit to Darvin Ham to, um, to, for making that in-game adjustment. I didn't think he had it in him. I thought it was going to be game to game. He's He's been one of the best in-game adjusters um, as a rookie head coach. I, I really give him a lot of credit there because I really feel like he kind of – I mean, Jokic, Jokic feel like he was a little bit rattled a little bit. He didn't really know what to do, right? Obviously, he's a great passer, but when he stopped scoring as easy, that's when the Lakers made their run. I mean, if LeBron makes the three, Lakers could have possibly took game one. So they really showed me something coming back from down 21 in that one. Obviously, the Nuggets got a little – Uh, fat and sassy whatever but a lot of that was on the Lakers like all right guys let's let's go and play here so when they got it down to three points uh and obviously made everybody want with the spread sweat there that tells me I said the Lakers may have kind of figured out something we hadn't even seen Vanderbilt yet I personally I think that Vanderbilt should be on Jamal Murray he can't be going for 31 and Jokic having a game that he has if Murray doesn't go for 31 there, Lakers definitely win that game. So, obviously, they still have some lineups uh, to figure out because I know Shooter is the shooter out there, right? Vanderbilt, if he comes in, it's all defense and no offense. But, personally, I think they need the defense. Either because you can put him on Jokic, you can put him on Michael Porter Jr., or you can put him on Murray as well. So, we still hadn't seen the X factor, in my opinion, in Jared Vanderbilt, who I believe he used to play for the Nuggets as well. But uh, give me Nuggets here. Uh, give me the Lakers here, plus the 5.5. Honestly, a perfect situation would be them losing the game. By around uh, two or three points, keeping it close covering the spread that where I can really go in on them on game three. But yeah, I do like the Lakers here to keep it close. I don't think they'll get into that big of a deficit. Uh, play Hatchemore a little bit um, sooner in this one, uh, and I do think they'll be a little bit, at least a little bit more acclimated to the uh, altitude there. So I will take the points with the Lakers in this one uh, if they do happen to lose. Uh, I can tell you right now, I'm all over them in game three.
1: Yeah, we're winner. I think winner lose, we're gonna. I'm gonna hammer Lakers game three. I'm gonna hammer like alts. I'm going to pull a Brandon in game three and we're going <laughs> like I, because the power rating is going to have to be low. Like it has to be low because like think about like Phoenix was like was like plus two and a half in game one versus the Nuggets. Right. And they got stomped and then the the, the market starts adjusting the Lakers here already being a six point dog to close in game one. Like there's a very like the Lakers will be favored, but it's not going to be by a significant margin. This is the number one team in the Western Conference. And especially if they win game two, you're right. Like if it's 2-0, they will have to go ahead and give the Nuggets like a level of credit in the power rating that's going to indicate. Now, we've seen some wild swings home court to away, right? Like Celtics are sitting at like 10, which is a wild swing. Even if we go to like an 11 point swing, though, we're still only talking like Lakers minus five, which would be I, it won't be that much. It'll be like Lakers minus two, make it Lakers minus two and a half minus three. There'll be room for alts in game three, but we'll talk about that when we get there. Uh, the Rui adjustment. So you're right. I think there's there was already a report this morning that that the Lakers are concerned that they they will lose D'Angelo Russell, essentially like he will check out on them if they don't start him. This is who D'Lo is like. No. It's fine. Like, it's okay. There's a like Rui's not the only or deal not the only guy like this. That's fine. Like, players are care about their careers. They're prideful. Okay. But like, that's a thing that's significant here. Because one of the advantages the way I've started kind of framing the series, the Nuggets can do more with their eight guys. But the Lakers have more than eight guys that they can use. So, like, they can mix and match and throw guys. Like, if you bench Schroeder, Dennis is going to be, like, fine, but he'll deal with it, and it's okay. The only two guys that have to play, the only two guys are Anthony Davis and LeBron, right? But if D'Lo if D- is a problem, you're probably going to at least start it. Maybe you pull him early. Maybe that's what they do is, like, D'Lo plays yeah. the first three minutes, and they do a quick, a, a quick sub. I kind of wonder if one of the things that they're going to do is actually bring Reeves off the bench and start Rui there because Reeves had a really great offensive game. And one of the reasons I'm on his under is because I don't think that Reeves can replicate that performance in game two. The Nuggets will cover the actions that he got loose on. This is not about Reeves not being good. It's that the Nuggets will cover their actions and switch a little bit more to make sure that he's defended. They dared Reeves to beat them, and he almost did. He shot five of eight from three-point range. Reeves is okay. Like, good shooter. Five of eight's a little bit much, right? Right. So like, I think that that's going to go way down. He had eight assists. That's a very high mark for him. Like all of these kind of things, I think there will be a bounce back and Reeves won't have as good of a game. The other thing is that I do think that they can move Reeves out and put those guys at three and then play Rui and LeBron and AD and keep with that scheme. The conversation this morning, I will tell you that the Lakers game one plan was not great for their series chances. If you're like, ooh, they found something, the Lakers are going to win. Um they threw the kitchen sink out in this game. Like they went to, we are literally benching our starting point guard. We are changing our defensive scheme and moving our best defender off of Jokic. And it worked and you still lost. That's concerning. If they won, it would have been like, yeah, no, we made the adjustments. We stole game one. Now they got to come back and try and regain control of the series by winning on our home floor, right? But they lost, and that's significant. They'll carry over a lot of what they did, but Denver's got two days now. It's not that like they have a, There's two things here. Denver's got two days to, to adjust to what they showed with Rui guarding Nicola. Okay. And there is a lot of talk on Twitter of like, yoga just gonna figure this out. I will tell you, the problem is not Joker figuring it out. The problem is trying to figure out Aaron Gordon. Because if they can figure out ways to get Aaron Gordon moving, going, etc., to where they can actually apply enough pressure to force them. To get out of that scheme because they're getting killed by it whether it's gordon screening effectively or gordon making what brandon's banking on which is assists they can really f- put the pressure they can counter adjust back on them i don't know if the nuggets can do that it's not that i think that they can't i don't know if they can i will so brandon this will go into like your your assist cap and we could talk about that i don't think That Aaron Gordon is a good enough playmaker nor will I do I think that he'll have the space necessary if they run pick and roll with Joker Joker's not going to drag the screen out which gives Gordon plenty of space on the short roll that's what you want here is like they run pick and roll Jamal Murray and Aaron Gordon don't run pick and roll well they just don't they've never have Gordon's not a great screener if Joker and him run it Joker's not going to spread him out so Gordon's still operating in tight space Aaron's not a good enough handler or passer. He's good. He's not good enough to generate high quality looks out of those sets. So that's my concern. Do you want to give your cap on why you like the over and the escalator here in this situation?
3: Yeah. I mean, you basically gave the cap before you gave the the non cap for it. <laughs> I, I like the short roll idea of Aaron Gordon here. I like the idea of, okay, so what's the adjustment to the adjustment. And then we also got to be careful with that because we don't know how that's going to hold up. Yeah. But I think, yeah, you put, you put Davis on Aaron Gordon. Well, first thing is they got to get him out of the dunker spot because you, you leave him sitting there. Anthony Davis is just hanging out in the paint, and that was just causing all sorts of problems. So, either that means you put Gordon out on the wing, and now he's got to shoot the open threes. I'm not really sure Denver loves that option, to be honest. I'm, I'm not sure that's a good outcome. So, I like the idea of bringing him in, using him as a screener, and he's a guy. And look, there's only one Draymond Green, but Aaron Gordon. Playmaking style, defensive style, body build is one of the guys in the league. It's about as close as you get to a Draymond type, and using him in that short role sort of way, he's not the same playmaker. He's not the same screener, but he's also only has to get over two and a half assists to get this one. And we're at plus money, plus one eighteen. So I do like uh, something that's fun about Orlando, the Gordon's old team is that they're so bad year after year that the last like 30 games of the season, I just get to try stuff there was a whole year. I was playing a lot of Aaron Gordon assist overs for a while. Cause they're just like, hey, point Gordon, why don't you just do some passing for a while? Let's see that. And like, that sort of stuff does pay off later in a guy's career. And I feel like getting those extra chances to handle a little bit, create a little bit, I think could help. It's, it's not a strong play because it might just be that they just don't use them in this way. However, He had three assists in game one. So we already hit the over three on six potential. So about what you would expect. He's also had three, three, six, and three the last four games. So he's over four straight, even without having a special Aaron Gordon role. So I think just flow of Denver offense, he's going to be in the mix there to to potentially hit a, why do I like the escalator? Eh, I don't love it. I just like the numbers. It's plus 118 to get three. The number is so low that you can play four at FanDuel. Our sponsor is plus 270 all right, well, one extra assist gets me a payout in two and a half times, five assists, or sorry, yeah, five five or more is plus 675. Again, one more assist and we're at plus 270 all the way to 675. I get five extra payout on that. So that's just surely a numbers play. I won't do it too aggressive because I don't have a, a huge amount of belief in it. But if I'm betting the over two and a half, I feel like I'm compelled to play the escalator a little bit just because one extra play, one fluke, Like to to your point, uh, similarly, I actually had noted Austin Reeves as a possible assist over. So he had eight assists, as you said, in in game one. How many potential assists do you think Austin Reeves had in game one, according to NBA.com? What do you think, Matt? 10. So he had seven potential assists and eight assists. And let me just help you with the math there. The the, NBA.com is not a scientific tracking method. It's like an estimated method. He literally had more assists than he was supposed to be able to have. Yeah. So, right, like potential assists does help you, tell you like, oh, maybe that's not going to come back down to earth. The Lakers made 75% of their twos in the second half of that game. We're not going to keep doing that forever. So I feel pretty okay about getting to the three here. I don't love going for four and five. It's just not so far away. And if I'm going to play the three, I think I have to nibble a little bit.
0: Hey, this is Action Network Audio Director Matt Mitchell inviting you to head into the sports betting summer with new gear that's built to last. And our folks at Shady Rays, friends of the podcast, they have you covered from the sun to the slopes to out at sea with their premium polarized shades. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company offering world-class products just as good as any expensive pair you've ever worn. And like our betting podcasts, Their sunglasses offer the clearest possible optics. Shady Rays also offers the most bananas protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of their sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So what does that mean? Here's what they told me. It means if you lose or break your pair, even a minute after they arrive, Shady Rays will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Plus, if you don't love them, Just exchange them for a new pair or even return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back. Basically the opposite of betting on the Oakland A's. So exclusively for our podcast listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code ACTION for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 200,000 people. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only
1: official Survivor podcast and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner.
0: Listen to on Fire the official Survivor podcast wherever you get your podcast.
1: Uh I want to go back and give one more cap on the under. Um Jay kind of talked about why he's he's in on that. Like Jay, you agree with me this is like a slower game that Lakers
2: either win or or lose small, right? Is that are we in agreement on that? Yeah, I think so. I think they. I go. I would personally. I would make Gordon like beat me with thirty points. Uh, okay. I think their star Patrick says let Jokic, Let uh, Jokic do what he does. Uh, Aaron Gordon would have to go for thirty points. Like I'm, I'm leaving him out there on the three all day long. So I do think they figure. I mean, it's like you said. It's up to the Nuggets if can they really figure it out. They kind of have to play Gordon because I don't think their bench is that deep as people think. So, um, so I, I feel like the Lakers really did figure something out defensively, and I still think they have extra players that they can use as well.
1: Yeah, um I, I, my read on this is that I think a lot of the initial energy is going to be down. I think both teams, I think both teams are going to be tired. Like there's been this idea that the longer the series goes, the more that, that favors the Lakers. LeBron and AD went 40 minutes. They're going to be gassed by game 6. Just heads up the nuggets will be healthier by the end of this series. They're younger. They're not like Jamal Murray's not in great condition. This is not a great condition team. Joker's honestly one of the better condition guys, which people don't really seem to understand. They just look at him and they're like, well, he's tubby. And it's like, no, like Joker's in really great condition. (laughs) Joker's extremely durable. And he's really, he has a high level of endurance. Um,
3: And one thing too, Matt, I noticed is that Murray Porter, all the other starters not named Jokic played 34 to 37 minutes. So we, we all saw what happened in game one. Joker went out and they got killed in those minutes. But the trade-off is you get a better version of your guys for the minutes you do play them in game one. And then more, more, more as the series goes on. I, I totally agree. Longer it goes, the more favors Denver.
1: Denver's defense was talked about like it was really terrible last night. I don't know that it was. Like AD hit a three and Austin Reeves hit five of eight, and they did it like they hit a bunch of jump shots. If the Lakers are beating you with jump shots, okay. Davis hit the floaters because he was, he's awesome. Like he was, he played great, scored 40, right? I just think that there's probably a little bit of shot variance that's going to come back the other way. I think process for the Nuggets can get better offensively, but their shooting declines. And I think that Lakers shooting probably declines in their offense, their process stays about the same. I don't think that the legs will be as, as good. Nuggets have done a good job, not turning the ball over. That could, that could wind up messing with, with the total, but I still think that the under here uh, in game two is a playback. I'm, I'm trying to hit a very narrow window here where I I love the over in game one and coming back the other way. But I think that, that the adjustments lean this towards an underplay. I will take the Lakers plus five and a half. This is this. I I thought game one was a series. Game two is still the series. Like, <laughs> Yeah, it's the conference finals, but I'm just saying Lakers win game two. I think they win the series. Nuggets win game two. I think they win the series. If they hold court, I think they're in good shape because I agree with Jay. We're going to hammer Lakers in game three. I think Nuggets can take game four, and then they can really set themselves up well, but they're going to have to get game two. Uh, Otherwise, it's going to be a long series, and while the Lakers will wear out, it still leans more towards LeBron the further the series goes. Uh, all right, that's your game to cap. My thanks to Jay for joining us. We're going to hit the lottery here with Brandon in just a second to get some betting angles on that. But My thanks to Jay Money. You can follow him on Twitter, at Jay Money, is Money. Jay, thanks so much. All right, the NBA draft lottery was Tuesday night, and the San Antonio Spurs. When Yama's going to San
3: Antonio. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's a very old reference. I'm old, uh, yeah, so I, I didn't
3: get that one, man. I, I didn't follow.
1: It's fine. Well, I'm I'm also from Arkansas, so it's a country song. Um, <laughs> all right. So the Spurs get another generational big man, which good for them. Um, <laughs> I'm very happy with the result. I wrote about this on uh, Action Network, not about me being happy, but about how this was like the big winner of the lottery was Victor Wembanyama. He winds up with the best situation for him he could have gone to disastrous situations in other places and instead he goes to an organization that i really trust to, to do what's best for him his body his game his development and build a winner around him um san antonio was terrible this year and you could say like well san antonio has the least talent of any of those other teams maybe maybe but i trust their ability to add talent in subsequent years especially with all the picks that they have um The lottery order is really fascinating you have put some plays in um we're gonna be i think at a a little look i am not solid on this we're at a small disagreement right now but like i'm gonna check in with people and they may completely agree with you like i haven't done all the intel work i don't usually start doing that i let people like recover from the lottery and things start to percolate (laughs) before i get into stuff um what do you think is a good betting value right now with where the nba draft markets are at
3: Yeah, by the way, Spurs now, if I have it right, I think the Spurs have been in the NBA draft lottery six times ever as a franchise, which that number alone is ridiculous. Like The Spurs just aren't in it because they're always in the playoffs. But if I'm right, six times, do you know how many times they have moved up in the lottery? The thing that my Timberwolves have never done ever in the history of the franchise? How many? Five. Five (laughs) out of six times the Spurs have moved up. It's not fair. Why? Why is it happening so, I you and I talked before the lottery and and again afterward about fit versus drafting for talent at the top. And I think if you're number one, like if there are surefire stud star talents, you just take the talent. Like you're picking at the top for a reason almost always. And the NBA is about stars. I fully agree with that. It feels like so. so some of the names in play for after Wembenyame, that, that's just done, right? This it, yeah. he's they talked about it live with Wendy in Paris. Like uh, how are going to like living in San Antonio? Here's Zillow with a few homes we found for you. Like it's, it's done. He's there. Scoot Henderson who played in the G league this year as a point guard before the season started for these guys, scoot was a possibility for number one, not much of one, but we, we talked about, it was like, well, could, could he get some buzz? Could he get closer? It's not happening. He's not going number one. Yep. Brandon Miller, the guy from Alabama, wing shooter, great, great outside shot, uh, six foot nine, good size, sort of guy that any NBA team wants on their team. That's the guy that's starting to get some buzz, and I guess buzz for Hornets because, yay! So the Charlotte Hornets don't have a lot to build on. The one thing they have to build on is Lamelo Ball, their point guard. So how do you add Scoot Henderson, a six foot two point guard? not a shooter, not a guy that you want playing off the ball. What do you do with him and LaMelo as like your two main building blocks? Your response, I think, is going to be maybe you trade LaMelo and just try scoot and, and go there. Would have been a lot more fun for Charlotte if they got Wemba and Yama. That would have been fun. LaMelo and Wemby is like old NBA jam team or something. So I wondered going into the draft, some of these teams, Portland was another one. They're at three. It didn't seem like there were a lot of good Scoot Henderson fits. And during the G League season, he didn't have a great season during the year. And maybe that will all just go away and he will perform well in workouts and he'll look good and he'll hit some jumpers in empty gym and just be the easy number two pick again. I personally, my personal evaluation is I would have Scoot clearly ahead of Brandon Miller. It just feels like the buzz has not been there. So I wondered: would Miller go to the number two pick? He was plus 160 before yesterday. Now, after the lottery, he's down to plus 100. So the buzz is already moving that way. And the the pick that I like besides that plus 160 is what if then, what if Scoot starts to fall? And before the lottery available was Scoot at number four, 50 to one. Scoot at number five, 75 to one. Because if you got one is locked in, two or three is Miller, all it takes is one other team or one other player that people fall in love with and now Scoot tumbles a little bit into that four or five range. Scoot to Houston at number four would be like a dream pick for them. And it's the guy that they think they would really want. So that's kind of my thinking on it. We should talk about the Portland thing as well that I wrote about. But what do you think about the whole Scoot, Miller, all of that?
1: All right. So here's my read on it. Um, And this is like, Again, I want to be very cautious with this. This is my early read on it, and it can definitely change. I may come back when we do another draft episode, um, and I just be like, look, I've, I've asked around, and yeah, it's going to be Miller. Like, Miller's the guy or whatever. One person told me, a couple months ago, they're like, Scoot Henderson's going to kill all the workouts. He's going to kill all the workouts. He's going to look awesome in person. And like teams will tell you, like, well, we don't pay too much attention to the workouts. That's a lie. Like, those in person things are huge. Not only because of the workout, it's the interview. Like, you get a sense for like, I really like this kid as a person because so much of it is about that. Now, like, Brandon Miller can do the absolute same, despite the situation that happened at Alabama, which he was never implicated in, like, he was never charged with anything. He was like completely cleared. It was an ugly situation, horrible situation. Um, But like, there's no indication that Miller is like a, there's no like character issues, quote unquote, which is always a a really loaded, coded term. Um, One thing I think is possible. So like Mitch Kupchak has already come out and said like, well, we're in a position to take fit here. Already, like a couple of Hornets people are like, this is a smokescreen.
3: Yeah. Also, no, you're not. You're the Hornets. You've been irrelevant for forever.
1: This, This is my thing is I'm just like. I don't know. Scoot Henderson might be better than Ball. Like it just might be, it just might be a thing. Um, But I will tell you, these picks are not so valuable that these teams will keep them and not trade them. If you're the Hornets and somebody is like, we really want Scoot, like say the Rockets are like, we really want Scoot. And we'll give you X plus Y. And you move down two spots and you get Scoot. And the Hornets are like, so we can still get the guy that we want. Cause like, let's say that they want Amon Thompson, right?
3: Sure.
1: If they go that route, then you're right that the Hornets don't take scoot, (laughs) but you lose the bet. Like, that's the way that you lose that bet, which would be like a a tough one, but like that's part of the equation that I think is possible here Um, to me. That seems more likely than the Hornets literally going, well, we think Scoot's the best player, but we're going to take Brandon Miller because it's a better fit for us with the number two overall pick. <laughs> like there will be somebody in the scouting department. that's like, guys, what are we doing? Like, just yeah. take the best guy.
3: Here, Here's my question though. And I, I don't have an answer to it. I'm just wondering anecdotally, you and I both follow NFL as well. I know you watch the NFL draft. You don't normally have to watch too closely because you're just the last pick in the draft every year because the chiefs won again. Congratulations, Patrick Mahomes. To me, moving from four to two, Houston up two spots, that feels like an NFL draft trade to me. I don't feel like we get that a lot in the NBA draft. Like, well, I just want to move up a couple of spots, like at the top. To me, it's more like somebody that comes okay. from way further back. I know we had the, the Markel Fultz, Jason Tatum comes to mind. It's I'm not saying it never happens. It would be totally like. I would expect that we would see mock drafts right now. If this were the NFL draft of, well, Houston needs him. They'll just move up to, they have a billion draft picks like done and done. Easy choice. It feels more NFL than NBA draft to me anecdotally. But am I just overthinking that?
1: I think it's, I think that this is a unique situation, especially with the Hornets, especially with like, I think that there's a lot of pressure for them to improve on multiple levels, including the team is, is looking at sale and they want to improve right now. Um, so like if, a, if somebody calls and was like, Hey, we'll give you a veteran and a top 10 pick like jordan might go for it like it just might i'm just not not i'm not ruling out like i don't trust the hornets to be like because i mean even this comment from cup is indicative here where it's like the, the Hornets should be like no we got to get the best player look at us like we have to get we have to get a franchise we have to get somebody to build around alongside lamello you can say alongside Lamelo, but you really just need somebody to, to build around um real quickly what's your read on the portland situation
3: yeah, so it's tied to the other part because it's tied to the idea of Miller going to Charlotte and then Scoot Henderson falling to Portland in that scenario. By the way, Jonathan Gavoni at ESPN does have Miller to Charlotte in his initial mock draft. You can decide if that's good for that stock or not. If Scoot's available at number three, then I think Portland becomes the really interesting team for the summer. And you can read my article at Action Network about it because now you have either, hey, Scoot Henderson added to Shaden Sharp, added to Anthony Simons, that's a real core. Let's, let's shake hands with Dame. We had a good run, my guy. We can't even get in the playoffs with you right now. We can't even contend for the play in with you. Playing is not his fault. It's not Dame's fault. He was an all NBA, like first team all NBA caliber play this year. Didn't matter. The team sucked. You get those guys, you get Scoot, age 19, Shaden Sharp, 19, Simon's 23. Let's trade Dame. And we know that Dame is going to be a coveted guy, either LA team. Miami has always been a rumor spot for a point guard to Philadelphia. If they blow it up, Dame and MB, there's been a lot of talk with them this year. So I think that's a possibility. Or do they pivot the other way and say, okay, look, we got this crown jewel asset here. The number three pick, that's going to be the thing we build a trade around. Let's offer up number three. Anthony Simons has got a big contract, which you need to match. you got the Nurkic salary if you need to match something. Do you go use that and get the big trade? Do you bring in Joel Embiid if Philadelphia blows it up? And that's where it happens, Embiid and Dame in Portland. By the way, sports book this morning, just put up odds for next year, 2024 title odds. Portland's 100-1. to 1. If you like the idea of Dame and Embiid playing together in Portland. The West is parody and open. Why couldn't that be like a top three seed team next year? It's a spot where you can get ahead of it. It feels to me like this Portland number three pick is the pivot point we're gonna talk about this summer. Either it's gonna get traded in the draft, or it's gonna be the piece that either finally pushes them to move on from Dame or the thing that they trade other stuff to to help him with i don't think it stays as a portland pack
1: it doesn't like it, you need to target guys that will make a big jump here and that's what you should be betting at number three yep. and i'll tell you right now like the first guy i think of is Jarris walker which you can get under five yep. and a half i think teams are going to go are really high on him it's either gonna be him or maybe cam whitmore are the two guys i think that teams are like maybe anthony black are the three guys i think can see teams like being like i we really want that guy Let's move up and grab them. We'll have more coverage on the NBA draft in the coming weeks before the draft. It's a great market to talk about. We'll get on Luke Swain, all that. We'll be back tomorrow with Best Bets episodes for Celtics Heat Game Two. Thanks for joining us. Catch Brandon on Twitter at Wheaton Brando. My thanks, David Payne, our producer. We'll see you guys again next time. Until then, let's get buckets.
3: Action Network reminds you please gamble responsibly.